Welcome to the Grace Monroe Podcast. We are a community of Jesus followers located in Monroe, Georgia, that exists to pursue God's heart for the restoration of all things. For more information about our church, visit graceformonroe.com. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this week's message. I really felt the Lord kind of pull me close and lean into me and say, you got some gunk, you got some gunk that we need to get rid of and we can do it together. I want you back in my word. And I felt him restore in me my passion that I've had since I became a believer for his word. And he wanted me to dig in deep and do some hard work. Um, and I did. And it was hard and it was raw and, but it was good. And, um, when I finished, um, he said, okay, I need you, I need you to do a little bit more and I need you to do it community. And I was like, okay, well, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> what is that going to look like? And he said, invite him to your porch. So I gathered with seven of my most favorite people on the planet and we spent the summer and into the fall until we were practically sitting on space heaters and wrapped up in blankets, digging into the word and praying for each other, crying together, laughing together, celebrating. We saw chains break and it was good. And so we finished that and then we came up on our fast um, in January. And again, I felt the Lord just pull me close. And he was like, get back in your Bible. And so I did. And I was excited this time. I was very excited. And I found myself asking him, Lord, what, what, how do you see me in this season of my life? And very loudly one day I heard him say, you're a firecracker <laughs> for my kingdom. And I was like, yay, that sounds fun. Ooh, I don't know what that, <laughs> what does that mean? That sounds kind of scary. Yay, that sounds fun. And I just kind of, I just kind of prayed about that. And he told me, he's like, I want you to create, to cultivate some opportunities in your home for other women to celebrate what you're celebrating. And I was like, what, what am I celebrating? And I thought, you know what? It's the transforming power of his living and active word. And so I was like, okay, well, what's that going to look like? And he's like, we've done the work. I want you to give it away. And so flash forward to this past Tuesday, I sat in my basement having a meal with three beautiful, smart, Jesus-loving 20-somethings who are choosing to spend time with me. Um, and we are digging in and we are pressing in to his word. And it's raw and it's vulnerable and it's beautiful. And I'm expectant because he's faithful. That's what he does. So I'm going to keep digging in and I'm going to keep pressing in and I'm going to keep learning from his word so that I can confidently walk into what he has for me because I don't want to miss it and he's worth it. It's good, isn't it? Give a round of applause for a testimony of faith, a restory. Yeah. God at work in so many people, so many different ways, and we feel like the dream God gave us was that we'd be five years from now celebrating 10,000 stories like that. 
10,000 restoration stories. God restoring hope, God restoring dreams, God restoring calling, God restoring identity, God restoring uh, relationships. And most importantly, God restoring relationship with himself. And so last week, many of you that were here, we, we began asking this question of the Lord. God, when you knit me together in my mother's womb, when you call me by name, not necessarily the name on my birth certificate, but the name you call me, God, who am I to you? We recognize this journey of becoming oaks, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor begins with this posture of being receptive, able and willing to hear from God and do what he says, equipped, as Jill talked about, by the word of God, saturated in his scripture. And as we hear from him, being equipped in his word, we begin to discover who we are so that we can walk secure, confident in our God-given identity, passions, and calling. So where are you on that journey? Today we move to that next letter in our restored acronym, T, transformed. So I want you to turn with me to Luke 19. Luke 19, and we're going to look at a story of a man that encountered Jesus in a way that changed the rest of his life. But before we get there, you can go on and flip forward. Luke 19, I loved, you know, at the end of our time last week, is uh, we were invited to, to, uh, to, to recognize that though God calls us by name, there's a whole lot of other things in this world, and even ourselves sometimes, and definitely the enemy of God, who calls us lots of other names, identities that we've taken on that aren't from him, lies that we've lived in uh, that have kept us paralyzed or hidden in fear and anxiety, discouraged, lost, stuck. And so we invited you to take to ask God, what are those lies? What are those names I've called myself that other people have called me that I've taken on that aren't from you? And just to write those things down. And then many of you took that name tag with all of those false names and identities that you've lived under. When you look in the mirror, the things that you've called yourself that God said, I've never called you that. Loser, stupid, not enough, too much. And then we invited you to take those names to the cross. And some of you literally went and put them in a paper shredder. And so I've got all the shredded up names of the things that God is wanting to release you from. Because this isn't true. They may feel true. But God's inviting you to step, break free from the lies that have kept you in bondage. Maybe for decades. And then we invited you. The fun part was this, is then we asked this question, all right, Lord, if this is what I've been believing, if this is what I've been living under, that you never called me, that's keeping me from stepping into your purposes, that's keeping me from, from being awake to your identity for me, God, that's keeping me from, from obeying you, then who am I? Who, are, who am I to you? And we invited you, whatever that name that came to mind, I think God was speaking to you in your life. I gave you these white stones to write them on. That comes out of Revelation 2, this picture that Jesus gives to the church, that to him and her who overcome, there's a white stone that 
that Jesus has written their name on, known only to him. So we took these white stones and we wrote these identities, these callings of God. And, I, and, I went, and we went and put them over there uh, underneath that oak tree that we planted in the courtyard. And so this week I went by and I was looking at some of them. It was pretty fun. And we got Optimist of Hope, Welcoming Daughter, Mirror of Light, My Encourager, Beloved Son, Waymaker, Bringer of Justice, and my personal favorite, Walt. <laughs> now, I was actually intrigued by this one. And so I went home and I looked it up. What does Walt mean? Do you know what Walt means? Ruler of armies, mighty warrior. Now, is that a God-given identity or what? And I started thinking about this, thinking like, okay, if this is the sons and daughters that by the blood of Jesus Christ, God is calling forth to step into his kingdom purposes to transform a community, what would it look like? Just imagine with me for a second. What would it look like if, let's just take, what would it look like if optimist of hope, waymaker, bringer of justice, and Walt moved into town? Confident in who God says that they are, secure in their God-given identity, receptive to his word, equipped by his scriptures. What would it look like? I mean, how would you want those people to engage in our community, to engage in our church. And so I was just thinking about it. I was like, okay, well, this is fun. Waymaker. I don't want that dude trailblazing. I don't want him to be forging a path or her forging a path that other people could follow behind. I mean, I don't know who this is. I'm just guessing, you know, maybe like an entrepreneur or a problem solver. I'd want them serving in places where people feel stuck. Waymaker, revealing that aspect of the character, the heart of God. See, this is what I want us to get, is that in Christ, we are all of these things. We are all beloved children, sons and daughters of the king, more than conquerors. Waymakers, called to be encouragers, servants of the Lord, beloved. All of those things are true. But, but the amazing thing that the Bible makes really clear is that there is no one of us in this room that is meant to be Jesus to the world. But collectively, we are meant to be Jesus to the world. And so, yes, all of those things are true of all of us, but there is something unique. When God knit you together and imagined your life every day of your life before one of them came to pass, Psalms tells us, He's like, that one, I want that one to reveal this part of my heart. And that one, I want that one to reveal this part of my character. And, and that one, I want this one to reveal who I am and what I want for the world. And then together, when they're living in harmony and community with each other, I want them to reveal me. Oaks of righteousness, plantings of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Not that anyone is looking at either any of those guys or girls and saying, oh yeah, they're amazing. That guy, oh, he's awesome. But no, 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 that guy, the God he serves is pretty stinking amazing. And that girl, the God that she knows is unbelievable. I want to know that God. 
It's a way maker. You know, uh, Isaiah 43, 16, who is the true way maker? This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Optimist of hope. I mean, I'd want that guy, that girl, to be next to me in potentially discouraging situations. Wouldn't you? I'd be taking them into dark places. Tell me what you see here. Tell me what could be. Pray for what God could do. I'd want them to be meeting with people that are discouraged, that are lost, that have given up. I'd want optimists of hope. Man, walking confident and strong in who God made them to be. I guess a counselor, a visionary, a coach. What potential is there for optimists of hope in our town? Bringer of justice. I want them engaging in places where people are oppressed. Working for reconciliation and healing. Fighting for equality. Being a voice for the voiceless. Why? Because the bringer of justice representing that heart of God. Isaiah 30, 18. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. And Walt, ruler of armies, man, I'd want that dude organizing some teams, strategizing, gathering people together to fight for good, to engage in spiritual warfare, to equip and empower God's people, a leader of leaders. Why? Because he's revealing the heart of God. Psalm 46, 7, the Lord of heaven's armies, Lord Sabaoth, is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. No wonder Satan trembles. This is what our community is crying out for. Romans 8, that the sons and the daughters of God would be revealed. That's who's sitting in this room right now. That's who's next to you. And realize this is also the point of the enemy's attack in your life. All throughout scripture, where does Satan go to undermine God's plans and purposes for this world? He attacks identity. If you really are, prove it. Who God says you are. The Gideon, mighty warrior, more like the least and the most insignificant. You're alone, buddy. God's given up on you. And I don't know what lies you've been living under those whispers of discouragement in your heart. I don't know who it is for these people, but I can begin to guess. Optimist of hope? Quit dreaming. Be realistic. Discouragement? No one cares. You're hopeless. This is hopeless. The one that's supposed to bring hope? Give up. Waymaker, inadequate, ineffective, 
directionless, stuck, lost, overwhelmed? (laughs) Why try? No one's going to follow you. Bringer of justice? Be afraid. There's nothing you can do. It's too much. You're not enough. You're powerless. Get revenge. Be bitter. And Walt, the ruler of armies, like Gideon, weak, alone, small, insignificant, the least and the forgotten. In John 10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And he says that my sheep know my voice, and I call them by name, and I lead them forward. Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe that? Not, do you believe that for the person sitting next to you? Oh, yeah, that dude, I can totally see it. That's a bringer of justice right there. That's God's encourager. Oh, her? Yeah, I mean, that optimist of hope, out the wazoo. But me? (laughs) No, uh uh-uh. And God's calling his people to step into what he says about you. Why? Not just so that you could have a happy life but so that the world could see who he is. See, that's what it means to be the church, the body of Christ. As Peter writes, living stones being built together for the spirit to inhabit. What I discovered from walking with people and having the privilege of sitting in the room as God has spoken, restored identity into their life and into their heart, or had them process with me at times, like, I don't know, (laughs) and that's okay. Some of you prayed last week and nothing came to mind. Honestly, the first time that I was discipled into this idea, this this, out of the scriptures, like that God has unique identity for you and did the exact same thing with me in a room uh, full of some other um, church staff people. And, and so we're all praying and like they ask this question, what names do you call yourself? What lies have you believed? And I can tell you, I mean like that, they came to mind. I could tell you in a heartbeat. Small, insignificant, not worth sticking around for, no one cares. Wrote them down. Oh man, yeah. Reject that, reject that. All right, Lord, who am I to you? Silence. Am I the one of the seven billion people on the planet that you don't call by name? And so I, a few weeks went by, and I was actually at a different uh, prayer conference thing and, um, and kind of digging into it, and we had this break. It was out at this golf course, and I, and I went and I walked on. It, it was middle of the winter. No one was out there, and I just went for a walk during this break. And I, and I, I said to God, I said, God, I, I want to know. I need I need to know this, God. And, and some of you know this story. But after, uh, and, and this name came to mind. 
Benoni. And I was like, well, that sounds like it's from the Bible. As I went back to the, to the place we were, and I looked it up and found it, and Benoni is actually, it's the, uh, the last son of Jacob who becomes Israel, and, uh, and his, it's actually while his wife is giving birth to their final son, and she dies in childbirth. And as she's dying, she says, this one is Benoni. That means son of sorrows. And I was like, thanks, God. Son of sorrows? And I just asked, so same kind of thing. I love that in Jill's testimony, she just was like oh, pressing in. Okay, God, what does that mean? What do you want me to do? And I was like, all right, Lord, what does that mean? And so I kept reading, and I realized that Ben-Onai, or what his mom, as she's dying, is saying, is, is, is speaking over him. His father actually never calls him that, but instead names him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. And I felt like God said in that moment to me was, you've lived your life as a son of sorrow, but I've never called you that. Who you are to me? You're the son of my right hand, and I want you right here next to me. And it changed my life. But what I've learned as walking this out in my own life and, and seeing with walking with, with others is that we have these encounters and these moments with Jesus and these, these times that God speaks in powerful and clear ways, but then we spend the rest of our lives learning to live into it. That we're all works in progress. Not once I've ever seen, I've seen some radical change in people's lives, but never have I seen them go from who they were to who they were meant to be like that. I mean, it takes years and decades and stumbling and falling and struggling and getting back up and asking God, God, have you given up on me yet? And God's showing up going, nope, I'm still right here, buddy. Let's keep going. Transformed. See, God's highest hope is that we would be transformed more and more into the likeness, into the image of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. A few years ago, there was these bracelets that went around. Remember that WWJD? What would Jesus do? It's a great question to ask. I mean, mean, in any given situation, it's really aimed at a lot of youth. You're in the high school cafeteria and kids are making fun of somebody. WWJD, what would Jesus do? You don't know the answer to a test and your friend's not covering their answers and they're smarter than you. WWJD, right? It's great. But I feel like it's lacking a little bit because the reality is, is that none of us walk this earth in 2021 in Walton County, Georgia, wearing a toga and sandals. None of us are Palestinian rabbis. So I don't think the question necessarily is what would Jesus do as much as what would Jesus do if he were me? W-W-J-D-I-F-H-M. It's a longer bracelet, but it works. What would Jesus do if he had your job? What would Jesus do if he had your neighbors, your in-laws? What would Jesus do if he had your wife, your husband? What would Jesus do if he had your children? What would Jesus do if he had your life? 
See, the gift of the Holy Spirit is that God is a genius creator, and he knows every little detail of your life. And he speaks into every little detail of our lives so that we can begin to live into this abundant life that he invites us to live. What would Jesus do if he were me? In Luke 19, let me just read this for us. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, I can identify with old Zacchaeus. He could not because of the crowd. You can kind of imagine the crowd around Jesus moving into town. Zacchaeus has heard some things about this miracle worker, this guy who's changing people's lives, that when people have an encounter with him, they're, they're changed forever, and he's looking at his life, and something's not measuring up. There's something about Jesus that he knows he needs, and so he's trying to get close. But the crowd's there, and so Zacchaeus is, you know, trying to get a glimpse of Jesus, and he can't get through, but the guy's smart. We'll give him that. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Says Jesus is going to be coming by that way. Now when Jesus reached that spot, he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Seeing the life of Jesus, I think God's heart is that any who seek him, who search for him, God's going to call them by name. And you may feel left out, you may feel forgotten, you may feel lost and stuck, but God sees you. And he calls you, hey, let's go have dinner together. And that encounter changes everything about Zacchaeus' life. And he goes on. Now, all the people saw this. And he's, he's welcoming Jesus into his home. And they began to mutter, he's gone out to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times that amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save, to restore what was lost. You know, it's interesting. The crowd muttering about Zacchaeus, that sinner. How could Jesus hang out with that guy? You know what Zacchaeus' name means? pure. You know when Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, who he sees? Who he made him to be all along. Now Zacchaeus hasn't been living in that, obviously. And his heart is broken, his life is messed up, and he needs an encounter with the God of this universe. And it's not the things that Zacchaeus does that earn him salvation, but instead Jesus showed up in his life and brought salvation, and Zacchaeus in response does a whole lot of things. But I can bet you that 
that that moment that changed Zacchaeus' life, it would take the rest of his life to live out. Where are you in this journey with Jesus? The other day, I was driving from Monroe to Loganville in my truck, and uh, my truck, I'm, I'm very proud of her. She's about to break 240,000 miles, and, uh, and occasionally she fusses at me a little bit. She's kind of nagging, and, uh, and she dings, and the lights come on the dashboard, but I've gotten used to it. And actually, what I figured out is if I turn the radio up and I squint my eyes, you can't even notice. And so we kept driving, and I went into Loganville, ran some errands, driving back towards Monroe, pull up to a stoplight, and dies right there on 78. Getting out, trying to shove my truck off the road. Well, I mean, it won't start, won't crank. There is nothing. There's gas in the tank, but she's not going another mile. You know, I say all of a sudden that happened. <laughs> but the reality is, is that my truck had been trying to tell me for a long time there was something going on that needed to be looked at. And fortunately, I think that we can treat our lives that way a lot. The lights are going off on the dashboard. There's smoke coming up from under the hood. We're running hot or we're burning out or we're stuck in a rut. We've driven off the road. Things are getting wobbly and shaky. But if we turn the music up and squint our eyes, you can hardly tell. And God's desire is to shape our lives, our hearts, into the image of Christ by his Holy Spirit in us, to become a reflection of his glory, lives of wholeness and freedom, peace, hope, joy. I mean, he wants our lives to be running at full capacity, the way that he has designed us to run. And I think there's sometimes that we just kind of need to pop the hood a little bit, take a look in the engine. All right, God, where are we? What's going on here? And so in your chair there, you'll find a pretty simple little diagnostic. A way of asking ourselves, how is my life running? Easy acronym, RPMs. R, relationships. How healthy are the closest relationships in my life with my friends, with my spouse, with my kids? Are they honest, vulnerable, close? Or are they shaky, growing distant, smoke coming up under the hood? And you'll see there, green, yellow, red, in just a very easy way. Again, if you know grace, our heart isn't about guilt-mongering. It's just about taking an honest look and inviting God to say, all right, God, what do you want me to know? So how would you say? Your relationships, green, yellow, red. Green, they are, they're, they're great. They're healthy. They're thriving, flourishing. Yellow, they're, you know, they could, take some, they could use some work. Red, they're really struggling. RPMs, P. Your physical health. How's that body that God gave you? Get enough sleep? 
<laughs> Some of you have brand new babies. You're like, uh, no. Arrested. Are you eating well? Are you drinking too much? Energetic. There are places that you need healing in your body. Now, we recognize, too, the Bible also makes it clear that these are perishable tents that we wear, that are wearing out on us whether we like it or not. But the body that you have, how healthy are you? What does God want you to know? RPMs, M, mentally. What are you learning, growing? What are you filling your mind with? How's your thought life, your inner world? Anxious, depressed, angry all the time? Mentally, how are you doing? RPMs, S, spiritual health. Are you growing closer to God? Seeking Him? Walking in grace and in truth? Red, yellow, green, 15 seconds. How's your heart? How's your life running? I was meeting with a group of guys and kind of sharing this idea as we were trying to work it out and just saying, you know, what are your thoughts? And one of them actually brought up that there's another area of life that tends to wreck us or we end up often running off the road in, and that is financially. So we added one to the RPMs. So now it's RPMs if. But financially, how healthy are you? The way that you see your possessions, your money, the way that you use your paycheck. Are you living in debt, selfish, stingy, generous, greedy? How's your heart? How healthy are you in the way that you view the things that God has entrusted to you? Now think about Zacchaeus through this grid, the RPMs of his life. And we see that transformation moment with Jesus relationally. He says, anyone I've cheated, I'll make it right. Mentally, he begins to think differently about himself and others. Spiritually, there's a new connection with God through Jesus. Salvation has come to this house. Financially, I'll give it away. Physically, well, he's still short. I mean, there's some things that God can't fix. But seriously, though, with the physical, it's interesting how intertwined all of these things are. Now, I'm not saying A plus B equals C every time, but I wonder if in old Zacchaeus' life before Jesus, living under the burden of greed and guilt, the shame and the outcast of his society, if when he encountered Jesus and walked into freedom and healing and hope, if maybe it did something to his blood pressure, maybe some ulcers got taken care of, So for you, where are you? Again, it's not about stirring up guilt. It's about inviting us into a deeper awareness of God's work in our hearts and lives. And often, God doesn't say to all of them, I want you to fix all of these things right now. But I bet you, as you think about that, use that diagnostic to kind of look at your life with God, trying to hear from Him and walk out your identity and your discover your calling for the kingdom. There's probably one of them. Maybe two, but probably one that God's highlighting for you right now. 
Hey, man, let's work on this. Come spend some time with me. Let's work on your marriage. Let's get healthy. I don't know what it is for you. God does. And he wants you to know. Transformed. Being conformed to the image of Jesus in every area of our life. God, what are you highlighting? How do you want me to grow? I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up as we come to a close this morning. And each one of these, as we're kind of taking a look at what does it mean to become oaks, to be these plantings of the Lord for the display of his splendor, each week wanting there to be some kind of practice or application. And maybe for some of you, you're still asking that question, Lord, what's on my stone? And we invite you still, when you find that, to write it down and go place it at the oak tree as an act of surrender and worship. But for today, would you have the courage to take an honest look at your life with Jesus and invite him into those places? In Revelation 3, Jesus gives this incredible picture. He says that, that I stand at the door of your heart and knock. You know, I always heard that before, and actually the way it was taught when I was younger was that that was like an evangelistic statement. So all the people in the world that don't know Jesus, that aren't walking with the Lord yet, he stands at the door of their heart and he knocks. And if you invite him in, salvation, invite Jesus into your heart, he'll save you. Now, there's truth in that. I actually believe he does do exactly that. He calls by name, knocks, he seeks to save the lost. He goes after the one sheep who's wandered. But you know who that actual word picture is written for the church us Christians his sons and daughters that he says you know me but listen I stand at the door of your heart and I knock and whoever opens that door to me I come in and I make my home with them and I think he spends the rest of our lives continuing to knock on doors and if we let him in into those deeper and deeper places and he makes his home in us, we find ourselves 5, 10, 15, 50 years down the road transformed into the image of Christ, bearing the identity that he called us by name, living in to the good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. Will you take a look under the hood? God, what do you want me to know? As we continue to move into this literal property as a church, Easter being a few weeks away and then two weeks after Easter, our grand opening, inviting the community to come be a part of what God is doing here. We're going to begin to offer uh, what we're calling learning communities. Ways to grow in each one of these areas. And so if you are looking at it going, you know what? Receptive, I, want to, I need to know what it means to be able to hear from God and respond. Equipped, I don't know how to study my Bible. Secure, I want to know who I am. Who God's made me to be, what He's called me to do, my passions and my gifting, that I can live with confidence in the kingdom. 
transformed. I got some relationships that need work. My marriage is struggling. I don't know how to parent. I don't know what to do with my money. So we're gonna begin to offer this space that we can learn together into what it means to, to follow Jesus well together, pursuing God's heart for the restoration of all things. And that restoration project begins in our own souls. So for today, I invite you individually to take that journey with God. God, what do you want me to know? As we move together into the future, I invite you, us to take this journey together, to grow into his ways and his maturity, transformed into the likeness of Christ. So I invite you to stand up with me. And we're gonna continue to worship and to pray, but I wanna just create space for this moment just to ask by God's Holy Spirit what he's wanting you to know, what he's wanting me to know. So just close your eyes. Let's just ask this question. It's what we've been talking about all morning. Lord Jesus, we recognize that you are a, the living God, real and active, that you're as real in this room as we are right now, Lord, that your presence is with us. And Lord, we take you at your word. You say that you stand at the door of our hearts and you're knocking even right now. So I pray for each one here, Lord. What is that deeper place that you're inviting them into with you? Where do they need your healing, your wholeness? Lord, where do they need your forgiveness, your grace? Lord, where do they need your wisdom? your guidance, your direction, your clarity. Give us the courage to open our heart to you. We give us ears to hear, eyes to see what you, the Spirit, say to the church. Amen. Thanks for listening. Once again, our mission at Grace Monroe is to pursue God's heart for the restoration of all things. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, go to graceformonroe.com connect. Also, if you felt blessed by our ministry and want to partner with us financially, everything you need to know about giving is online at graceformonroe.com give. We hope you have a wonderful week. Be blessed.